Dear friends, this is actually part two of Bernard and I's discussion on the spiritual significance of Encanto. If you've missed the awesomeness of part one, where we talked about spiritual gifts, love as the quintessential gift, the role of family, etc., etc., definitely suggest having a listen to that after this episode. Today, we'll be going deeper into the theme of the Holy Spirit, particularly discussing the grace commonly called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a precious, precious gift given to the church for her renewal and for our sanctification. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. So we hop back on the wagon with Bernadette and I first discussing how Encanto's enchanted casita, the house, itself is a very accurate image of our church today, particularly a church in crisis. So just on that, I think I've I've picked up there's something about it. Maybe because I've been to Peru and other kind of Spanish sort of towns, but there's a way in which the the casita is placed in the township that's very much a symbolic of the church being the in the middle the focal point the kind of the driver of culture and in some ways you know spiritual protection guardianship of of the community and look i just the first time i saw it i saw the candle um in the flame that doesn't go out in a building animating it as like that's the image of the holy spirit and the church how the church is Yes, it's bricks and mortar, but it's really animated and given life by the Holy Spirit. It comes alive. Um, and in many ways, just like the church was um, born out of one who loved us and died for us, you know, you know, um, Abuela's husband, the grandfather of Mirabel, I forgot his name, Pedro, which, oh, hang on, Pedro means Peter, isn't it? In, in, Ooh, don't quote yeah. me on that. I think which is which is the, the Peter on this rock. I'll build my church. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, I don't. I just I just realized Ooh. that. I don't know if that's deliberate. Who anyway, wrote this movie? Who yeah. wrote this movie? Probably a Catholic. Um, anyway, this church founded upon Peter and then the sacrifice of one who loves um, the family was like oh you know and the the, the different parts of the church you know like the, the like um you know, one body, many parts, all the different giftings, like together, corporately, they make up um, the church. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, I saw that too. And because there's some great lines, like in the start, they're talking about the gifts and it, it is a really happy family. Like it is a really um, beautiful expression of people all using their gifts like the body there's um so many stars and everyone gets to shine that was a little line out of the opening um song as well and just the way that Mirabelle goes along and you know acknowledges all the gifts um I really saw that it was um yeah for me I was like oh this is a really cool image of the church and and the other thing too that I um kind of picked up on was like when the cracks start to show I thought that Abuela's role was really um kind of quite crucial 
difficult because she's at a bit of a crossroads there where she's in denial and the whole family are in denial as well um, when the cracks are there and they're all saying, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. Um, the met, and even Abuela comes out and even though she knows in her heart something's wrong, she's saying the magic is strong, everything's fine. And that, yeah. she and she she's like, we can't lose our home. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that that's, I mean, the church is a family ultimately. And I thought, oh, that's just like us, you know, when there's um, things that bring shame upon the church or when we're not at our best or when we're not moving um, and serving the community in the way that is really the gift that we've been given, the role that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Um, I could really resonate with that and see a lot of, um of um kind of parallels between that and even to the point like you know anyone in leadership in the church really has that role and will often be at that crossroads as to be well is this the moment where we uh, you know try and save face and kind of circle the wagons so to speak or is this a moment where we can be really courageous and humble and say you know we're we're broken you know mm-hmm. we're, we're very vulnerable and we're weak we're weak people and that was um that was um abuela's words she said oh if only people knew how vulnerable we are and it was sort of her resistance to to facing and owning that vulnerability um that was sort of the key yeah to that new foundation that new beginning and that real flourishing being able to take place so at this point bernadette and i enter into a lengthy discussion about the baptism in the holy spirit just to avoid confusion i will quickly say that the baptism in the spirit is not to be confused with the sacrament of baptism nor is it to be understood as a type of second baptism Indeed, the title Baptism in the Holy Spirit can be a little misleading, and many instead prefer to call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit or even the releasing of the Holy Spirit. But name aside, Pope Paul VI has called it a chance for the church and for the world. Pope Benedict XVI has encouraged the church to rediscover the beauty of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And more recently, in 2015, Pope Francis refers to it as a current of grace, a renewing breath of the Spirit for all members of the Church, while at the same time commissioning the Catholic Charismatic Renewal to share its graces to the entire Church. Significantly, the baptism in the Spirit is part of a larger grace shared amongst many Brethren Christians. Many Pentecostal, Evangelical and Baptists have also been touched by this grace, especially in such difficult times. Anyway, shh, to narrator Lawrence, back now to the interview. So, Bernard, before you, I heard you mention something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what, what is it? Yeah, so it's something that I was surprised to discover in the church as well. But my understanding of baptism in the Holy Spirit is that, as we all know, the Holy Spirit's moving in really beautiful and powerful ways all across the church and at all times. But I think for me, my understanding of baptism in the Holy Spirit is that when we call upon the Holy Spirit and when we say, come Holy Spirit, and especially for us that have received the sacraments of baptism and confirmation in a particular way, that there's something really powerful about stirring up the Holy Spirit within us. And anyone um, across the church 
can and you know probably should be praying come holy spirit every single day but i guess what's happened in um i suppose within what we'd call the charismatic renewal is that when we ask for the spirit to be stirred up god in his generosity actually responds to that prayer and so um i think what we've seen especially since around about the mid um, 60s in a particular way is a stirring up of the holy spirit and what has been prayed for is like a new pentecost that um that the the dynamism um that the visibility of the holy spirit would be really stirred up and that's happened um you know collectively across groups but i suppose for the individual believer there's this thing that i can ask um for prayer for that new infilling that stirring up of the holy spirit and what i can expect to happen is um a, a new release of the spiritual gifts um, a deeper intimacy with Jesus, a greater love for scripture, a greater love for the church, uh, a wanting to evangelize. These are all some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit across the whole church, like I've said. But there's something really powerful. We can actually ask for more of that if we find ourselves wanting more of the Holy Spirit or a, it's not even more, but just that refreshing, that stirring up of the Holy Spirit that's already been given to us in the sacraments that there's something really powerful about not just letting the Holy Spirit lie dormant in our lives, but wanting the Holy Spirit to be a really active, um, a really active agent in our lives and to be seeking to be, you know, desiring and wanting to use the spiritual gifts. And so the obvious kind of parallel to Encanto then is that um, when we pray for someone with the spiritual gifts, we do have an expectation that, that they'll be seen, that they'll be, um, that the person will be really changed. But also the Holy Spirit's very gentle, very individual, mm. and also very, um, I suppose, unpredictable in how the Spirit wants to come. And so in some people it will be very, very visible. The person you know, might even laugh with joy or feel very warm, like the fire of the Holy Spirit has really come upon them. And for other people, it's very gentle. You know that they might experience nothing at all, and and so a bit like Mirabelle in um, in Encanto, there's this sense of oh, I got ripped off. Like I asked for the spirit to come, and nothing happened. But we always know that something happens. You know whether the person can see it or not. That the spirit, whenever we ask for the the spirit to come, and we ask for that spirit to be stirred up in us, the spirit is always um, is always moving. And I suppose it's from that scripture that we read about all the time, isn't it, Lawrence? That um, even a father, you know, what father would deny their child, you know, anything that they ask for, mm. how much more will our father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? So the baptism in the Holy Spirit for me is explicitly tied to it, all asking and desiring, mm. um, I suppose, more of the Holy Spirit in a way that it's that we've already received it. It's that stirring up of the Spirit and um, and for the upbuilding of, of the church um, in a particular way, and I, I love that, like yeah, the the upbuilding of the church because there's a particular, I guess, a boldness as us as children of the Father can ask for the gifts because the gifts, just like in Encanto, the gifts weren't given to upbuild themselves, but for the service of others. You know, think of the strength of Louisa and the beautification of of Isabella. You know, the gifts are given for the building up of the church. Um, to to actualize the church's encanto, <laughs> its enchantment, the you know the spirit animating, you know. So, um, you know, think of some of the I guess you can say that the, the charismatic gifts would be the more obvious ones would be like the gift of prophecy, you know, to be able to speak um, 
speak the mind and heart of the Lord at that time, you know, speak into someone's lives, you know, think of the gift of healing, you know, that's probably more obvious, you know, being able to administer the love of God bodily, physically, mentally into people's lives. And we've seen and experienced within ourselves, but also at, at events like summer school and Light to the Nations, these, these gifts being poured out and, and used to build up the body. And it's, it's something incredibly beautiful that I think all Christians, all Catholics, um, can really can really benefit, but also have their their spiritual life animated by right. Um, these are this is the church, you know. This is the church that Christ founded. The actually apostles is still alive, you know. The signs and wonders um, that don't take away from our our normal natural gifts, but in many ways perfect and illuminate and yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think something that's been very real for me is that it's for evangelization as well. Mm. That I can say God loves you, kind of until the cows come home. But something that was really powerful for me on my journey of faith was that God is so close that He might be telling another person of faith um, a message or giving them an image that really speaks to me. And I suppose when I was receiving prophetic words when I was younger in my faith, it really ministered to me God's closeness and um, and his love for me in in a really um, profound way and I think the gift of healing has the same effect and you even see that in the Bible that um, that Jesus will you know will preach the love of God but then there's something about the action of laying his hand on somebody and healing them that people can't kind of argue with and <laughs> they can't mm. deny that they felt something or that they were they were changed or healed and um, so I think that's a really exciting thing that we have and I suppose that if more and more people People could move in those gifts. That's a really exciting um, thing for evangelization in mm. the church as well, isn't as it? Well. So, and and the fact that those gifts have ended up in a Disney movie just spins me out. Like Julietta, the mum who heals um, <laughs> just by what does she give her a quesadilla it's or a, something? Very Eucharistic, or, or right? Just, yeah. Well, I don't know. These. I love how. I mean, this is what Disney does best, and I don't think it's. Con I don't think Disney does it consciously, but it normalizes the natural and the supernatural together as if they are the world is enchanted um we'll call it they call it you know disney would call it magic but we we call it the holy spirit right you know this supernatural um dimension of human life that we're not just flesh and blood we're not just physical atoms there is a transcendent um there is a a, a presence that sort of is deeper and richer and more not just temporal but eternal around us the kingdom of god is amongst us and maybe the why why disney's you know gone from strength to strength is precisely because it's re-enchanted you know what we call a disenchanted culture that's sort of reduced all reality to you know the mind and, and what's physical what can be seen um and encanto among many things certainly um bring marries the two together right um for mission you know, you know to be able yeah. to bring the physical and the spiritual together yeah, and that maybe there's a dissatisfaction in people with a two-dimensional world that we want this three-dimensional, four-dimensional even world, that there's something in our hearts that we know that we're made for more, that there's more than just what we can see, touch, smell, you know, that there there is a spiritual realm out there. Um, yeah. Mm. So, dear listeners, if all of this is stirring something within you, it's probably the spirit. And Bernard and I will certainly be praying um, as you listen to this episode, but um, into the future, that um, you will be open to the gift of the spirit and to ask boldly 
uh, as we were discussing earlier, for the full flourishing of the spirit uh, to be alive in your heart, in your mind, in the people around you, in your community. Um, and yeah, on the side to inspire you, maybe watching Kanto again, <laughs> if you haven't already. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Or read um, Paul's um, letters as well, where he lists the gifts and just see that there's a richness there that I, I don't think we're fully tapping into all the gifts that God has for us. And I think that's something that we're very passionate about, aren't we, Lawrence, is that, you know, miracles and faith and healing, these are all things that have been given to us for as a gift for the whole world. And, um, yeah, what a privilege to be able to move really fully to, and to our fullest capacity in these beautiful gifts that God's given to us. As we approach the end of this episode, I have a rather exciting proposal to share with you. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, there is in fact a rather practical way in which you can respond to everything you've just heard. Because Bernadette and the MGL sisters are running two different retreats in 2022 that are both focused on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're someone who is already familiar with the baptism in the Spirit but wish to go deeper in this experience, the MGL sisters are running a five-day retreat in June of 2022 called Deeper. The retreat is being offered in two Australian locations, one in Canberra in the ACT and one in Varaville in New South Wales. And the description of this retreat is as follows. Delve deeper in your experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged in discipleship. Activate the charismatic gifts and be equipped for mission through inputs, discussion, prayer and practical workshops. If, on the other hand, you're someone who's completely new to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a shorter and more introductory retreat is being held in Varaville, New South Wales, in October 2022, entitled Open Wide, Spirit-Led Discipleship. This is a retreat for deepening in God's love, seeking restoration and empowerment to live your life open wide to the Holy Spirit, and an opportunity to be prayed with for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can I just say that I guarantee whichever options you choose, these retreats will be an absolute game changer in your spiritual life, and I'm already excited. It's run by a community of holy people whose very mission is to bring about the baptism in the Spirit into the life of the church and into your life. So you're in very, very good hands. If in this episode you felt prompted and inspired by the Spirit in any way, do pray about going. And if you're keen to find out more or want to sign up outright, I will leave a link to these retreats in the show note and on the Myth Pilgrim website. The date, once again, for the Deeper Retreat is the 1st to the 5th of June 2022. And for the Open Wide Retreat later in the year, it is the 28th to the 30th of October 2022. And if you happen to be listening to this episode after 2022 or are not in Australia, I still love you and can suggest other ways you can deepen your yes to the gift of the Spirit. First of all, I will leave links on the Myth Pilgrim website to some good, solid Catholic introductions to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, including a link to the Caris International website, a succinct history and FAQ about the baptism in the Spirit, and a great introductory video from the Wild Goose series. Secondly, you could listen to episode 25 of The Myth Pilgrim, where I share a personal testimony about an experience of the Holy Spirit where I was suddenly prompted to drive out to Uluru in the Australian outback, all alone. (laughs) And I talk about the gifts and fruits of that experience. Uh, Thirdly, and most importantly, I'd invite you to make it a daily habit of saying yes to the Spirit, even now as you listen to this podcast. 
you can never outdo God in his generosity and trust that the gift of the Spirit is not just for your own holiness, but for the upbuilding of the church and the salvation of others. Which is why us Catholics often look to Mother Mary as the exemplar of one who's so open to the Spirit, she literally conceived divine life and was instrumental to the salvation of the world. And hence, I felt it most suitable to end this episode invoking the prayers of Our Lady so that we too can be radically open to the Spirit and have our lives transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen.